Hello listeners, welcome back to the pod. Uh, it's Chaz here with Martin again today. So we had Martin back on our show last month to discuss a lot about what was happening in the macro landscape, macroeconomics, and how that's impacting the broader markets, which is the financial markets. Um, and uh, the subject that we are discussing today is pretty interesting as well. But before we dig into that, Martin, welcome back. Great. No, good to come on and uh, do a deep dive on something which is actually going to affect everybody wherever they're listening around the world, because we're really talking about the nature of money and the future of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so money, future of money, right? Um, there's a lot of uh, forums talking about um, digital currencies. There's Davos, uh, European Forum, talking about the global reset, all of that stuff, right? Um, and obviously, in the last few years, we have seen crypto cryptocurrencies as well spawning out of nowhere. Plus, uh, Russia trying to um, promote commodities and gold as a form of uh, backing for money to some extent. Um, so let's let's dig right into it, Martin. Um, first of all, reserve currency. Currently, US is obviously the reserve currency, right? So. The way I'll probably get started with it is why do we need a reserve currency? One and two, should there only be one reserve currency like US or there can be in future more than one reserve currency or it's the reserve currency always, whether it's yuan or US in future, whatever happens to be. <laughs> well, that'll take us a couple of hours to get through. No, okay, so there's, there's a couple of points to make. For Let's just be clear about money by definition has to have a unit of accounting, a medium exchange, and a store of value, right? I mean, that's the fundamental definitional point of what's make, what makes money, right? Because if you don't have those elements, if you can't account up to know what you've got, if you can't actually, um, you know, transfer it and transact with it, etc. It's not it's not that useful. So that's that's the first point. Mm-hmm. Then if you look back in history, we've had through history until relatively recently, um, the medium of exchange has been, you know, a thing. You know, it could be um, seashells or it could be salt or gold or whatever, right? But over the last uh, hundred years or so, we sort of drifted more to using um, effectively um, a, a particular currency and the US dollar has over time taken up this position as this sort of reserve currency. In other words, it is the currency that's predominantly used for international trade Mm -hmm. and shifting value between countries. It's not the only one, Mm -hmm. but if you go back in history, you'll see that actually it's been dominant. That's been very, very powerful for the US, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you hold the cards, if you actually hold the um, levers of that, um, uh, you know, reserve currency, everything then is triangulated around you and your currency, right? Mm -hmm. Because people need to buy your currency to be able to transact and trade. Mm -hmm. People need to be able to actually um, use systems that can move dollars around the place. And if you go back a decade through the global financial crisis, in -hmm. fact, the Federal Reserve helped countries around the world to make sure that the dollar was actually still dominant and capable of doing what it is. So, so there is a that there is a prima facie argument to say that whoever has the reserve currency actually holds all the cards. Mm-hmm. Okay. Second point, though, is if you go back 
in history, you know, the US dollar was anchored to gold. You know, look at Bretton Woods and, and prior. And then, of course, uh, Nixon basically blew that up. And, uh, and the short story is that since then, there is nothing that actually anchors the value of the US dollar other than the US dollar itself. Mm-hmm. In other words, it's the promise, it's the fiat that uh, effectively, you know, the US government will never default. So therefore, it's, it, it's value something. But that's allowed them to do something very sneaky, which is to create more and more and more and more dollars. Right. So that's one of the reasons why we've had quantitative easing and everything else. So we actually have a reserve currency that's been uh, multiplied in the number of dollars around the place. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason that's important is because if you think about it, this actually then leads you to the discussion about, well, hang on a moment. If you create lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of the, the same currency, what you're actually doing is you're actually using it to reduce the value of each unit of currency. Right? Mm-hmm. And so you can argue, in fact, that inflation is not so much um, prices going up. It's just that the value of each individual dollar, because of this uh, quantitative easing program, is going down, right? Mm-hmm. Now, that's then taken us to another point in the, in the discussion, which is, okay, so we're in the situation where, you know, strictly speaking, the, the US dollar is the reserve currency, but there are other contenders. And there are people saying, well, hang on a moment. What gives the, um, the US the right to determine the, um, the, that global medium of exchange, right? And that then takes you into things like, well, China would say, well, why don't we use the yuan or Russian the ruble or, ruble or whatever, right? So, so that takes you to a discussion then about, well, how this is going to play out. And very importantly, and I think this is where it sort of comes back into the current situation, we know that certain countries like China mm-hmm. and like Russia have been acquiring massive amounts of gold in recent years they've their stocks have grown dramatically mm-hmm. the point actually where russia's got more gold than than china at the moment mm-hmm. um which then takes you to the possibility of maybe there could be a change in the world order of what the um what that that currency is now that's sort of you know one story this then another story is no 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 the us dollar is always going to be preeminent or other people will say, no, 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 you've got to get back onto the gold standard because the gold standard is the, only, is the only stake in the ground. Or you have people saying, no, 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 it's not going to be the yuan, it's not going to be the ruble, it's not going to be the dollar, it's going to be some sort of digital currency. You know, two or three years ago, Mark Carney, when he was at the, um, uh, the Bank of England, presented a, a paper at um, Jackson Hole, which is sort of the global um, meeting of all the central bankers, saying, well, maybe the future is going to be a digital currency of some sort and there are people uh, no no no. the future is going to be the bitcoins of this world you know the private digital currencies the uh, dis- distributed so we're in the situation now where depending on who you talk to almost everybody has a different story about what the value of anchor point is is it the us dollar is it gold is it bitcoin is it some other something else right and we're in the situation where i don't think there is any clarity about how this may play out and that's why this is a really interesting question about, well, so, well, what is money anyway then? Mm. So a lot of things that, that I mentioned over there, obviously, uh, all of them pretty important. Um, so yeah, you've got this talk of CBDCs, digital currencies, central bank, yep. which are being trialed by some countries. Some are working on it. Then there is the, uh, the rebellious money, which is 
or the rebellious currency, which is Bitcoin and crypto, mm. the separation of money from the state. And then you have got is the uh, likes of commodities and gold that are being talked as well, right? Mm. Now, in the past, if history is of, is of any guidance, gold was the backing for the fiat system or gold itself was the medium of exchange before that, right? Um, yeah, so we had we had originally we had a structure where effectively all the currencies were locked to gold, mm-hmm. and therefore the there were effectively set exchange rates and everything. And then they um, did all that, right? Partly because, as I said, Nixon needed to actually um, find some um, <laughs> from find some extra dollars to pay for the Vietnam War, right? That's that's ultimately the the reason. But so so then we had a situation where. There was sort of a weak a weak linkage, and then that linkage was completely destroyed. So effectively, no longer is there a specific set of relationships between the value of a bar of gold and the value of the dollar. Mm-hmm. So that's why they move, of course, at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. and, and there are lots of people saying, "Oh, well, that's that was that that was the big mistake that was made. That should never have been made. We should we need to go back ultimately to a gold standard because that's the only thing that is, you know." immutable and you can't create more of it than you've got of it mm-hmm. and then of course you've got the bitcoin guys who say well actually a moment <laughs> but bitcoin is the same it's immutable it's you know it's it, it might be actually um decentralized and, and and devolved which means nobody can control it but there's a limited supply and therefore there are people defining um bitcoin as digital gold mm-hmm. right? so. so obviously there's uh no clarity in this space at this point, right? Everything is sort of up in the air when it comes to be what should be the future of money. Uh, look, what, what should the future of money look like, right? But mm-hmm. recently with the with what's happened with Russia, Ukraine, and uh, uh, Russia talking about accepting gold um, as a means of payment for their commodities or um, Bitcoin as well, uh, along with other currencies, some of the other currencies, where do you see um, this going? Based on what has happened so far in the first uh, in the first few months of the year. Well, certainly the Russian situation is really interesting because, of course, with the, when the sanctions were announced, the, the the value of the ruble to the U.S. dollar went awry. You know, up to one hundred and twenty at one stage, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but then. The um, central bank in, in Russia said, no, no, what we're going to do is we are going to actually pay a set number of rubles for an ounce of gold. And that, if you do work it out, is about 1,940 US for, a, for the value of a, you know, a, a block of gold. And what that did was that completely reversed the move. So the, the value of the rubles moved back towards where it was before the invasion, which is fascinating. Right? What they've now done is they've effectively connected the value of ruble to the value of gold. Mm-hmm. But in doing so, what they've actually also done is connected that in turn to where the dollar is because the gold is actually priced in dollars. Mm-hmm. And it's also connected it to the um, value of oil, because you know you could argue that actually a lot of the stuff that happened in the seventy days and nines are all about the petrodollar, right? Mm-hmm. And so suddenly <laughs> you've got this situation where Russia is happy to buy gold at a certain price, which until quite recently was higher than the market price. Mm-hmm. 
And, and what that actually could do potentially is to drain gold from the markets into Russia. And that then creates a more stable gold-backed currency, the ruble, right? Now, I think this is a really fascinating thing. I don't look, it may not happen, but it shows you that if you actually decide to make a connection, a direct connection between the value of your, your currency and gold, things happen. Mm-hmm. Now, the other point there, of course, is that um, they're not allowed now to use the, uh, you know, the, the SWIFT, the SWIFT um, settlement processes and those sorts of things. So they're looking for alternative payment mechanisms, and that's where the crypto comes in and looking at also the Chinese um, payment alternatives and things like that, right? Mm-hmm. But it's a fascinating example mm-hmm. which has really, I think, not been understood by a lot of commentators. I think what Russia has done is actually quite revolutionary and could actually really signal the playbook at some point to how it might be that the mighty US dollar gets knocked off its pedestal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it set the stage. It, they're setting the stage up for, uh, for, for all of the US as a reserve, as the only reserve currency, I think. Mm. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, how many reserve currencies do you need? Well, maybe if you have one gap backed by gold, gold actually then reasserts itself. And look, there are, there are commentators who say, well, the value of gold is massively understated. You know, if you actually calculate it, it should be, you know, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, 4, right, US. Um, there are others that say, no, 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 you're mis- misreading the situation. The situation with the um, US dollar is it's so strongly connected to the fabric of the financial system that it will never be replaced, right? And so you can't actually measure everything in terms of gold, you know, actually measure it in terms of the, the US dollar, right? And they're, they're, so there are people who say, no, this can't happen. There are other people saying, well, actually, all bets are off, right? Because with all of the digital currencies and the central bank digital currencies, now the central bank digital currencies are predominantly digital versus versions of the current currencies, right? Or some constructs which will be a weighted basket of multiple currencies, a stable coin, and people are advocating that potentially, right? Mm-hmm. Or could the digital currency be a Bitcoin alternative, right? And so there are people claiming under the future of money is actually going to be through Bitcoin, right? Except my argument is with Bitcoin. Bitcoin started off as a decentralized, non-controlled, um, entity. Although if you look carefully, what's happened is that more and more of the financial system rules of the old world are now inveigled their way into Bitcoin. So there are a lot of, uh, there are a lot of um, investment banks who are taking positions and offering options and all those sorts of things on Bitcoin. So I think actually, if you look at the dynamic of Bitcoin, it's now beginning to follow more of the mainstream markets in terms of pricing. So, so maybe Bitcoin is not that you know, unique and different, separate, um, non-aligned solution that was originally advocated. Right? So it, in itself, it, it's morphing. So I'm seeing all of these moving parts. And I can't, I can't, for the life of me, figure out yet how this is going to play out. But what I can tell you is that unless you're clear about which element of that pantheon I've been talking about is actually the value anchor point, right? You actually don't have a a compass to guide anything. 
And that's what's so interesting. Bitcoin is still decentralized without a doubt, but yes, the price of it can be manipulated um, more and more as it's tied to the bigger world of traditional finance through futures and derivatives. That can surely, and it's happening. happening. No, it is happening. And let's go back to gold, right? If you look at the relationship between the underlying, in other words, the number of gold bars that are out there, and the 50 times multiple of derivatives of all sorts and sizes and different contracts that sit around gold, right? In fact, the price of gold is more determined not by the physical price, but by those multiple contracts, mm-hmm. right? I'm seeing precisely the same in the world of Bitcoin. So you've still got the core Bitcoin, you know, the same number of coins, but then you've got all these other peripheral derivatives around the edge, Mm-hmm. And they're now influencing the price. So if you look carefully at the, you know, longs and shorts on Bitcoin price, you'll see a lot of these contracts now starting to influence the price of the underlying Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. So I see this card playing out precisely the same way as the derivatives now drive the price of gold. <laughs> yeah, tend to agree on that. Yeah, that's that's where gold. Is strong. One of the main reasons probably gold hasn't um, shown its color so far is because of the all the paper market that that's surrounding it. Otherwise, it's probably would have been already fairly higher. Well, that's right, and there are huge um, holdings of gold and also these uh, paper contracts mm-hmm. by a lot of the investment banks, and the investment banks are very clever at being able to set the price of gold where they want it. Right, and the reason this is important if if the if those paper contracts move too far, then you suddenly start getting margin calls and you suddenly have then to actually throw a lot more money into the system, right? And, and there, there have been examples quite recently where some of the hedge funds who take big positions, both, both in the digital world of Bitcoin and also in gold, got caught out of position because of the, of the movements, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there are many organizations within the financial system that want to manipulate and control the current price Mm-hmm. to their ends. Now, that's a, a big statement, but if you look carefully and you look at the relationship between the underlying and the 50 times in gold, right, it's the it's not the underlying that's driving it. It's actually all of those other contracts that are there. And there are many vested interests. Mm-hmm. One of the questions that I had, Martin, was uh, with all the inflation that we are seeing in the last year or so, I, I, I can pretty safely bet that the number for the last month will be well upwards of 8%. Yep. Um, in the US, yep. Yeah. Coming out Thursday. I know, it's coming out tomorrow, right? It's coming out very soon. Yeah, it's, it's mm. I think it was this week or... Yeah, no, I think, it, is, it is this week. It's Tuesday, I think, yeah. Uh, with these high numbers of inflation, you would have expected that um, the likes of, especially gold, talking specifically, um, perform really well as a hedge against the inflation. One, in your opinion, has it really done that? No, <laughs> no. Well, it certainly hasn't. So, uh, you and can the, be selective. If you if you're selective with the data, you can answer yes. But I I'll, I I agree with you. That answer is no, probably. And do you see it to be uh, 
taking a, a leg higher? So, so, so here's here's the thing, right? If interest rates are rising, and, and it looks to me as though central banks will drive interest rates a lot higher, you know, some people are now suggesting that the next move by the Federal Reserve could be 75 basis points, or they might even run a special meeting. And you know, to put put the rates up. What it means is that if you have your your, your funds locked into gold, you get no return. Mm-hmm. Right? Whereas if you actually buy treasuries with with higher returns, because now the returns have to be higher, um, then you get a better return. So, in fact, gold doesn't really work very well as an inflation hedge. If you think about it, mm-hmm. what it does do it gives you certainty about well, what you've got until you you want to convert it back. And that's what people say. So, it's, so it is a safe haven, except that it's not behaved anything like people expected it. So over the last three or four years, I've spoken to a number of gold uh, experts, a lot, a lot of people who believe in gold, and they keep saying it's going up to two, $3,000. It's going to be, you know, the center of gravity, you know, by now, and then you'll be able to make a huge capital gain later, right, when you, when you go to sell it. Well, it's not happened. I'm not sure it will happen, going back to what I said, partly because of this one-to-many relationship between the derivatives and the underlying. Mm -hmm. Because you can't just look at the underlying gold. You've got to look at all those derivatives and everything that's around it. So that's part of the reason. Mm -hmm. Plus plus the fact that if you can get better returns elsewhere, you you probably will. So that's why I think it's where it is. And by the way, also, if you look today at um, Bitcoin, that's dropped back again. That's about 39,000 and something when the last time I looked, right? Um, So Bitcoin is not actually also behaving as a safe haven either. So neither gold nor Bitcoin is actually behaving as a safe haven, which is what people were preaching over the last two or three years they'd be, which I think is really interesting. Yeah, so that that is such an interesting point. You're right. Both of them are acting more like a risk on instead of risk off, right? Uh, but then, what is risk off? Is really fear? Fear is is really what what is risk off? Well, it goes back to price. Where do you? Where's the value anchor, right? Where do you, where do you think the point of certainty is, right? My argument is actually there is no point of certainty, right? So you could actually say all asset classes, whether it's stocks or bonds, or gold or Bitcoin, they're all actually now risk laden mm-hmm. right there is no such thing as safety right and that is actually a quite perturbing concept because a lot of people always default back to saying it's gold or it's you know no no, no. maybe there is no place to hide now if that's the case then that puts the whole investing philosophy and investing conundrum into a whole new world of pain. Mm, yeah, I, I think um, it all comes down to whether the Fed put is there or not, and yep. how big of a Fed put it is, right? Yep. So that is dictating both the risk on and risk off assets, in my opinion. I, no, I think you're right about that. And I'd make this point. I am not even convinced that the Fed is really serious about tackling inflation, right? They want to talk about tackling inflation, but that's more to do with the politics of the midterms than anything else, right? Mm-hmm. And I've had the view for some time that the expectation of forward interest rates is probably overcooked because if they really would have put interest rates up as much as people are saying they might, you know, 2% plus, that's enough to push the economy into recession. Mm-hmm. 
if that were to happen, the Fed would reverse course very, very quickly, right? Because they know that uh, that would not be a, a good outcome. So I'm of the view that we will see rates go up a bit, but then they'll probably come down a bit. Mm -hmm. Right, and so I'm. What I'm another way of, of saying it is, I still think the Fed put is there, right? But it's driven more by the political demand coming out of Washington. Mm -hmm. And from a timing perspective, I think the midterms is quite critical. Yeah. So politics it is tied to financial assets, and uh, uh, the if the if the market starts to drop like the way it did during the COVID period, then Fed put is always going to be there. there, there I'm, 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 I'm of the belief that the Fed puts hasn't gone away completely. Yeah. Um, so, and, and if you look carefully, take the Federal Reserve, right? Their, their balance sheet is as big as it's ever been, right? Mm -hmm. So they haven't yet started ratcheting it down mm -hmm. right? and they've made very little headway in terms of lifting interest rates so far. Um, so a lot of it's talk. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, be interesting to see how it plays out, and if, in fact, when they if they do put rates up, how will the markets react? Right? Will the markets then say, "Oh, actually, they're really serious now," or will they say, "No, no, we've already factored that into our thinking, and therefore, you know, the markets don't react." I don't know, but to my mind, a lot of people still haven't fully factored in the prospective quantum of rate rises that the Fed is actually signalling. Mm -hmm. Now, like I said. You know, are they, are they doing it because they want to talk about dealing with inflation or will they actually deal with inflation, right? Can they deal with inflation? Because the other point there is a lot of this inflation is actually being created by supply chain disruption, right? Tell me how interest rates, directly or indirectly, can help to improve supply chain disruption. Well, they might, insofar they might reduce demand for things, mm -hmm. but that doesn't fundamentally change the supply chain disruptions that we've got. We've still got shipping containers in the wrong place. We've got boats out of ports not able to access, you know, in China, for example, with the lockdowns there. Um, so even if they do raise interest rates, are they going to be able to address inflation through doing it? That's the other interesting question. Yeah. Uh, it's an interesting space. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, where yeah, this is all headed. Um, so, so, you know, what I think is that, yeah. that, that there are so many people out there having a very, very big swing at a solution, you know, buy gold or, you know, buy Bitcoin or whatever, as though this is somehow the magic silver bullet to this problem, right? My belief is a lot of them are actually very much linked to particular businesses that have particular types of products that they want to flog. Mm -hmm. um, the truth is that this is a very, very uncertain time and every asset class has risks attached to it. And therefore, whatever you think about, right, take an extra dose of caution and uncertainty before you, <laughs> you commit because actually I'm not sure that anybody knows how all of these elements actually play out, with, you know, with a way. And by the way, let me just go back to central bank digital currency, right? The reason why central bank digital currencies might be brought in be the US dollar, whatever, right, is because it would give them much more control. Because a central bank digital currency, you can program it to lose value over time, or you can make it so that you can only buy certain things with it. Mm -hmm. right? So central bank digital currency is about hyper control 
the currency. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the reasons why I'm extremely concerned about all of these initiatives to try and drive central bank digital currencies out, particularly retail ones, because what you end up then doing is being able to say, right, we'll give you an account at the central bank, we'll put some money in your account, and we'll tell you how you can spend it. Yeah. Right, and track it. Yeah, that's more, more like Big Boss watching the show. That's exactly right. And, and so my mind is that we should be very cautious about the central bank digital currency narratives, which is, you know, proliferating left, right, and center at the moment, another area of uncertainty. So then the bottom line is this, right? The future of money is uncertain, right? The dynamics around it are, are multifaceted. And a lot of the people who claim to know how this is going to play out, in my view, are not giving weight to all of the issues that they should and therefore tend to perhaps take positions which I think are a bit too um, specific. But there you go. Maybe, maybe I'm just um, uh, too much of a philosopher because I, I see all the moving parts. But I think it's important that people understand how all these things fit or don't fit together and therefore what some of the risks are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it's the reality. It's the, it's the reality that uh, the world is changing. The plates underneath are shifting. Yep. But there is no clear answer. That's true as well. So, um, yeah, and it's when when the world is controlled by handful, which which way it will play out, you never know. Yeah. Um, anything else that Martin you would like to add before we start to wrap this one up? Well, I'll just make one other point, and mm -hmm. that is that. Um, if you look at the trajectory of interest rates and particularly the long-term versus short-term, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I think we were talking about the inversion of the yield curve and how the inversion of the yield curve often signals a recession. Right? Mm -hmm. The latest that I saw, about 40% of economists in the US now believe there'll be a recession next year. Mm -hmm. So we are in a situation where despite all of the hype about how strong the economy is and how well jobs are growing, et cetera, et cetera. The truth is that the risk of recession is very significant and rising. And that's the other factor to throw into the mix here, right? Mm -hmm. And remember that the solution to recession is potentially creating more money. Mm -hmm. In other words, creating more fiat stuff, throwing more liquidity into the system to do the precise the same we did a decade ago. So maybe we've learned nothing in the last decade. Mm -hmm. And maybe when economies go off the boil again, we just throw more liquidity in and want to leave with this thought, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe inflation is not really prices going up, but it's the value of money being eroded. The value of your dollar in your pocket is going down and down and down. And that's a deliberate attempt by central banks to do one thing, reduce the total debt over time in absolute terms. Yeah. Because the only way that they can solve this massive debt overhang we've got. Inflate it away. To inflate it away. And so that's why I say I'm not sure that they're really that concerned about dealing with inflation. Yeah. Well, we, it's easy to say inflate it away, but when you inflate it away, you also inflate away your currency, right? So yeah. that's why the whole episode is about the currencies. What is going to happen to this world? But if everybody is doing it, at the same time, then your exchange rate might not move that much. Mm -hmm. That's true. Um, and the best way to look at it is probably is, is the uh, US against all the other currencies, how uh, they, they 
falling apart, basically. Yep. Well, that's right. I mean, the DXY is, um, you know, it's almost as hard as it's been for some quite some time, which tells yeah. you something about. So there are a lot of people out there betting on the US dollar as the you know, default currency still. Yeah, well, so it's, 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 it goes back to the milkshake theory, essentially, that it's going to eat everything before it eats itself. So, and we're seeing that happening right in front of our eyes, I think, to some yep. extent. Uh, that's great, Marlon. Uh, look, thanks for shedding some light on uh, the world of currencies. I think because the world is currently revolving around that place, with especially <laughs> the scene that Russia, Ukraine, China have set up uh, over the last few months. So it'll be interesting to watch what happens in this space over the next few years. It's not something that will pan out within days, months, or weeks. It's obviously going to take its time, maybe even uh, maybe our lifetime as well. Uh, so, yeah, that's great. Um, to the listeners, a lot of financial advice, do your own research uh, and play safe, stay safe. We will see you guys next week.